day when I get to hear Chelsea's voice. Makes my day. Well, I don't know what Keith was talking about. I thought he had the whole hour there. I was, I was just settled back and comfortable and listening and, and enjoyed the lesson. And I think it's, uh, you know, Romans 1 says that uh, even if you don't have the scriptures, you're without excuse because even you know, nature uh, com- expresses the, the nature of God. You look at creation and see who God is. And uh, so I think it's kind of neat that, that uh, corporations are finally figuring out Maybe they've taken a long way around, but, but they're fi- figuring out that, that God's principles are best. And can you imagine what a great opening line that would be if you're talking with somebody who's, who's working for a corporation, whether they're the, the CEO that's, that's incorporating that or whether they're one of the employees or one of the area managers that they're trying to train in that and say, well, man, that, isn't that fantastic? Sir, I wonder, you know, how'd you guys come to that? Where'd that come from? And just, you know. Say, right, say, we've got that, that, you know, we've got something like that in our Bibles. Isn't that neat? So I love, I appreciate Keith bringing good news. Okay, we are picking up where we left off last week. We were talking about uh, Paul's admonition to Timothy to put his faith into service. And the idea is that he needs to, uh, he needs to live his faith. He needs to be someone who's respected by his life and by his doctrine. By, by what he, how he lives and what he preaches and teaches and believes. And so he's, he's earning his respect. He's also being an example to others. And so we talked about uh, in the first couple of verses of chapter 5 how Christians should treat each other properly, including, uh, and basically all of these, whether it's young men who should not rebuke an older man, whether it's older women, treating older women as mothers, whether it's treating younger men as brothers, all this is about respect and, and uh, kindness. And I don't, I don't mean to oversimplify, but I think all of these relationships could be defined as, Timothy, you need to treat these, these, this segment of the congregation with, with kindness and respect, including uh, younger women as sisters. And so the whole idea is that, that uh, this is not only good advice for a young minister working with the church in Ephesus, it's probably good advice to everybody. I don't know of any... I don't know of any one of our brothers and sisters in Christ, whether they're in a teaching role or not, who, who wouldn't uh, be a blessing to the congregation if they treat every segment of the congregation with kindness and respect. So the idea is treating each other's properly. Uh, caring for the needs. We talked about widows and orphans were kind of the, the, uh, the poster children or the, the ultimate the classic example of those who were in need. In fact, James says that in his letter, chapter 1, verse 27, religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so the call is, first of all, for biological families, immediate family, to care for those who are in need. But the call is also for the church family to to take up the slack if 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 need be and uh, to take responsibility for that as well. And I got to tell you, I, I really uh, I appreciate some comments that were made last week, and, and, and Larry made one of them that, that really kind of hit home. It's one of those uh, one of those statements that I've often said. It's hard for someone to learn something until they're ready to hear it, and, and I've experienced that. You can you can say that I don't know, but with with kids, you can say the same thing a hundred times, and then finally, when they're ready to hear it, it'll land, and, and it's true. And that kind of hit me in the face last week because I've. At every congregation I've been involved in, at least uh, 90%, and that's a very extremely conservative estimate, at least 90% of the people who either phone the church building or walk through the church door in need of help are non-members. 
And so that's what I see. That's, that's what I see day in, day out, or that, is that, that 90 plus percent who come through the door or make the phone call. And, and Jessica, would you say that's a conservative estimate, 90% of the people? Yeah. So, so almost never do we have someone who's a member that walks through the door and says, I need help or calls up. And I, so I, that was my experience, but I've, I'm also not totally unaware of, at every congregation I've worked in, uh, all three, that, that, um, that there's also care for members that's done pretty, very discreetly. I'll put it that way, very discreetly. But for whatever reason, I'd never kind of said, okay, well, those two go, go together. I look at the budget for benevolence, and I know how, how I see what comes through the door and, and the people that we help there. And so Larry made a comment, you know, there's a lot going on that, that, that's not made public, which <laughs> finally, at 107 years old, I'm finally ready to hear that. It finally had a place to land and going, bing, you know, ding, ding, ding. So you can teach an old dog new tricks. It just takes a while. So I was grateful for that because as I, I'm confident that I have no clue how much care is given from one church member to another discreetly for those who are in need. But what I am aware of, well, I, I can say with great confidence that, that I don't know of any single need, genuine need in the congregation that hasn't been met and met generously. And so thank you for that. I appreciate that very much. It's nice to have a, somebody kind of connect the dots a little bit every once in a while and get it plugged in where I get it. So, so I think we, we as, a, as a body of believers do a good job of, of caring for our own in terms of whether it's biological family or church family. And, and it's, I think it's, as I, as I was kind of processing that this week, you know, you, you have an aha moment, and the next thing you know, you start, okay, how many, how many things can I plug into that aha moment to, to connect even more dots? And uh, it makes perfect sense that, that with the members, it's handled very discreetly. I mean, none of it's ever broadcast, but very discreetly because, you know, we, we love our church family and we don't want to embarrass anybody. And, and uh, so it's, it's, I'm grateful for... Uh, what is has always been in the, in the time I've been here, an extraordinarily thoughtful and generous congregation, and so so it's wonderful that, that we are a congregation that practices what we preach when it comes to caring for those who are in need, not only those who are part of our family, but also those who are uh, outside our family as well. So that that's kind of where we left off last week. The last thing that he talks about in this particular section in Timothy is about practicing accountability. Christians need to practice accountability. And this comes from 1 Timothy chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. So if you would read with me on that, it won't be on the screen, but open your Bibles and read with me. 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 11 and read through the end of the chapter. 1 Timothy 5, verse 11 through the end of the chapter. Uh, Paul, writing to the young minister Timothy in Ephesus, command and teach these things. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to read to preaching. Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. I thought, this looks sounds familiar. We've already done this, haven't we? Preachers going crazy. 11, for, as for the younger widows. Oh, now this sounds familiar. Yeah, thank you all. That's New Testament, right? As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. This, this list for, their, for widows who are widows indeed, widows in need. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus, they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. 
And not only did they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some, in fact, already have turned away uh, to follow Satan. All right, let's stop. No, let's say one more, right? One more, 16. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her family, she should help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need, who are widows indeed. Now, let's see if maybe we can keep on track. All right. Uh, verses 11, 12, 13. There's a difference between helping and enabling. What's the difference between helping and enabling? Is there a difference? I say there is, like, like we're all going to agree with that. Is there a difference between helping someone and enabling someone? And if so, what is that? There is a difference. It's the, hard to, you know, in your own mind to figure out which. So there is a difference, but the line can be blurry. Okay. I think not being taken advantage of. Okay. In terms of, of enabling. enabling. Okay. So someone who, someone not bringing all they can to the, to the equation, right? Somebody who's maybe laying back a little bit, hoping, okay, all right. That's probably not a bad definition. Someone who, uh, helping someone to the point where they are. Yeah, letting someone take advantage, helping someone to the point where they're not contributing what they can and should. Does that make sense? Helping someone that doesn't want to help themselves. Have you ever, have you ever wanted something for somebody more than they wanted it for themselves? That's an extraordinarily frustrating place to be, isn't it? You, you look at someone and you think, you know, and I've talked with so many families and they say, well, yeah, oh, so-and-so, he can do anything he sets his mind to. And, you know, the unspoken, you know, unspoken other half of that sentence, but evidently he doesn't set his mind to doing much. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but wanting something for someone more than they want it for themselves. So there are widows who are really widows indeed, widows in need. And they need to be given financial help. And that's what Paul's telling Timothy, right? You step up and and whether, whether if the church, if the immediate family can't help, the church family helps. We need to take care of these people. But there are some who can help themselves, at least to some extent. And if you'll notice, there's an example here of someone who's been enabled, and that was some of these younger widows who had, had, had been given enough help that they were, had uh, too much time on their hands. What's that old saying? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Then that go back somewhere? Yeah, they, they've been given enough help that it became a hindrance, enough help that it actually hindered them instead of helped them. And so this combination of too much free time, and, and, and I'm going to say this, and you're welcome to challenge me on it, and please feel free if you think I'm mis- misspeaking here, the combination of too much free time and too little maturity with these younger widows resulted in divided loyalties, in idleness, in gossip, and in meddling, verse 13. So, so there's a, there's the, but if we don't, don't we want to help people? Don't, isn't it in our nature to want to, to help relieve a burden from somebody? 
Isn't that just what we, didn't that just part of the DNA, especially the, the church DNA? If somebody's feeling a weight, we want to lift that weight from them. But at some point, that can become detrimental to them. And as Larry said, sometimes that line is very, very fuzzy. But if you look at verse 14 and 15, sometimes the best help you can give somebody is a little encouragement in the right direction. Yes, ma'am. King James? Yes. Yeah, the, were, you, were we in verse 11 and 12? Uh-huh. Yeah, so the, the old NIV says, As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they've broken the first pledge. It's close. Or we're, are we, where's the, the sharp difference there? And, and I'm not saying there's not a just, just help me with it. Help, help me with it. Well, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was reading from the wrong chapter to begin with. So, that, that, so yeah. So, so, you can't trust what comes out of my mouth tonight, evidently. So be careful. Yes. Yeah. Now, you know, they, they do and they don't. I mean, they, they don't want to burden somebody. The, yes, yeah. There's a, a, almost a, a, a fear of being a burden to anybody. Right, yeah. All of us as members would love to see them, you know, ask for more there, there is a sense sometimes where you, you, you may know a situation and you think, well, I wish they would receive some help. And, and I don't know about you, but uh, I've, I've mentioned this before. I've been so blessed that I've been blessed enough that I, that I can fall easily into the pride because I've not had to ask for help. You know, I could buy, and, and into a prideful situation where... Even if I came to a point where I needed help, my pride might not let me. Uh, I'm not asking for God to bring me burdens and financial hardship to to humble me. That was not a request, I promise. But but I think that's true of some of us. Maybe I'm not the only one who... uh, who struggles with that. But yeah, and now let me, let, Larry, let's, let's think about this together for just a minute. Because what I, I totally agree, Larry said that, that a lot of the, the widows that he's worked with are extremely reticent to ask for help uh, for fear of being a burden on anybody, which I think we can all, that, that makes perfect sense. And probably many of us experience that. Uh, I wonder if for some of those if it would be the same if either they were younger and had kids that were trying to raise and mortgage they were stuck with or, or if it was older who didn't have Social Security. Because I think sometimes we get a little different view of, of our needs are different because we have assistances in place that they didn't have in those days. Now, I don't know if that's the case or not. Yeah, and probably have a, well, if you're trying to feed three or four mouths 
and a mortgage and with one, with one check, that would be kind of tough to do. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. So, so sometimes the best thing we can do is, is kind of nudge somebody in the right direction. Uh, and what's interesting is that there's no debate here as to someone who's lost a spouse. They have experienced a tragedy. They have gone, they are going through an enormous grief. I mean, the scripture says the two becomes one flesh. And I think that's more than just a a carnal knowledge of each other. I think that has to do with like the, like the preacher that that, that performed the ceremony for Jeremy. That's, that's one life and two bodies, you know, where you you get to, and many of you know what I'm talking about, where uh, we were talking at dinner tonight where you can complete each other. You kind of know how the conversation is going to go sometimes because you had this conversation a million times before. There's, there's a bond there, a closeness. Uh, so, so everyone who's, who we're talking about here, whether it's an older widow or a younger widow, has gone through an enormous loss. Uh, they suffered a tragedy. And, and yet, Scripture still says, we don't want to help to the point of being a hindrance. That, that we can still help to the point of being a hindrance at some point. And so the best way to be a, be a faithful Christian uh, is to accept accountability for living as a faithful Christian to the best of our ability. And some can do that totally independently and have uh, money left over. Some do that to the best of their ability and still come up short. Evidently for widows in the first century, that meant marrying again. The, the best way to, the, 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 the expectation of a younger woman was that she would marry again. And this doesn't really sell well in today's culture but I think it fit perfectly in the first century culture and probably may have some, some remaining benefit as well. There is evidently the responsibility for caring for a husband, for raising a family, for managing a household might help mature these younger women. And the maturity would help these women keep from living the kind of lies that would give the enemy an opportunity for slander, which is what he talked about in verse 14. And so some of these, verse 15, what does it say about in verse 15 about what, what has happened to, uh, what you don't want to happen to some who are struggling? Yeah, some have already turned away to follow Satan. So not only has the help become a hindrance, it's actually become a stumbling block. Yes, ma'am. I think that's kind of where we were going here with the, the enrollment aspect. Yeah, the language seems to imply in verse 11 and 12 that there is a commitment. In other words, if we're going to give you financial assistance, then we need you to commit to provide service. Is that Now, I'm, I'm wide open to any wisdom you have on that passage. I'm, I'm wide open to anything you want to share. Any, have you, yeah. Uh, there's yes, absolutely. The definition of younger and older was totally different in that day than it is in, in, in our day today, right? <laughs> we, we certainly have expanded the life, the life expectancy, which is wonderful. So, yeah, as you say, a 50 year old was, was certainly with when that in that older women or older person regardless of gender group uh, 
but yeah, there seems to be a, 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 a shared commitment. We're going to commit to provide so much help, but we need you to commit to provide so much commitment. We need you so much uh, res- service. Now, Do we have someone in charge of looking over the needs of the congregation? I mean, for, uh, you know, it tells us directly to honor the widows. Right. And orphans. Right. James 1, yeah. If we're not doing the job, why not? You go to Matthew 25 with the judgment scenes in Matthew 25, and, and, and what's, what's the criteria for those who are good and faithful servants? You, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was naked, you clothed me out. Yeah. Well, when, when, when do we see you? Well, what have you did for the least of these you did? So the judgment seen in Matthew 25 says that's going to be pretty high on the test, the, the final exam. So the, the large question is, should we have someone overseeing that, specifically seeking out people who are in need, widows and orphans who are in need? Uh, I'll get on the soapbox real quick, Larry. You're, you're picking on my soapbox. Any thoughts on that? What about... Or do we have somebody who is assigned that job? Okay, under benevolence, yeah. Right. It comes out of the whole trip. I would see. So here's my soapbox. Okay, you asked for it, Larry. You you started this. It's all your fault. Way before my time, and way before your time. We usurped our responsibility to the government. Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. We, we allowed somebody else to take what Scripture says is our job. And so now, what? And in doing so, we've robbed ourselves of the chance of ministering to one another in a deep and personal way, in, in, in one, another deep and personal way. That's not the only way we can minister in that way, but we've robbed ourselves of a very profound way to, to minister to each other and to, to build bonds and, and, and uh, committed relationships with each other, which is kind of what we're talking about. We'll help, we'll help you but you with, with finances and you help us with service. We, we've, and, and this is... Keith, my never to be humble opinion. I, I, I was joking with Keith. Uh, I guess it was Sunday, and I see I'm the most humble person I know, which always gets a groan. You know, it just gets a groan. And and I really thought you were going to mention it in your devotional uh, tonight because he he said he was, and Keith never tells me the falsehood. But I, in my humble opinion, I, I think we've missed out on on a very important and and uh, profound opportunity to minister to each other by advocating that to Uncle Sam. And I don't think Uncle Sam can do anywhere near a good job. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Woohoo, living on Social Security. Live it up. Yeah. Right. It's it's almost a slow start phase. Yeah, it, it, it it's it's hard to it's it's almost non sustainable is a nice way to say that. 
kind of a, and, and kind of a, okay, well, there was a hand here and then here. So, Ms. Debbie? Yes. Yes. I read an I read an article years and years ago. That said the the fastest track to poverty is to be a single mom. Yeah. That's probably still true. Right. It's barely subsistence, if, 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 if you want to call it subsistence. And then, then there's a catch-22 when you have children, and that is you're on subsist, subsistence with help, and you want to get off of that, and you want to become independent, and so you go find a job. Well, now you're making enough money that the, the assistance is cut back, and so it's almost where you, you can't afford to go to work because the job doesn't offset what you're receiving and, and so you, you, you wind up in this, this maddening uh, catch-22, this, this endless circle. Oh, Ms. Mary? Well, I was just going to say, that it's just like myself. If it weren't for around Social Security, right. I'd be in a mess. Right. I mean, for what, for what I would be drawing. Right. Exactly. Right. I remember, I remember visiting with a lady, and I may have shared this before. I'm, I've reached the age where I don't know what stories I've told and what I haven't. So if, if you recognize the story, just kind of wave at me and I'll move on. But, but uh, years and years ago, there was a lady who had a daughter who turned 18, and, and she, um, she was helping her daughter launch into adulthood. And the way she helped her daughter launch into adulthood was take her down to the government offices to sign up for all the help she could now receive at 18 years of age because that's what she did when, when she turned 18. That's what her mama did for her. And, and that was that woman's... And this was a, a woman who was trying to do the best for her daughter. I mean, she's not... Don't discount her. But that was all she knew to help launch her daughter into adulthood. And, and if, you've, if you work with, with, with people who are in the poverty level, you see second, third generation. And, and if I'm not careful, I get prideful and think, well, if I can do it, they can do it. And I'm not saying they can't, but I'm saying I was raised in a family that, that was an upper middle class income family that had a retail store that I could start work. I started at 13 years of age working and sweeping the floors and in the warehouse, and I worked there every summer and, and until I, you know. I was, that was my reality. I don't know what I would be if, if the best that, that Clarita knew to do for me was to take me down to the government offices and sign me up. I, I, don't know, I don't know where I would be if I had that. So I could be prideful about that. If I'm not careful, I am prideful about that and say, well, they, uh, and that's where you would, this, this, hard, this hard to discern fuzzy line is between helping and, 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 and becoming a, a uh, a, a hindrance, yeah, an yeah, enabler. It's really sad. I mean, I've worked with, um, I spoke with a single mom, and she was working, trying to work extra hours to make more money to try to help. I mean, she was a single mom, two kids. Right. 
Yeah. Right. And then tried daycare. Yes. Yeah. Right. So maybe we need to be more vigilant about, okay, let's just go this way. And the best way for us to find those people and to, whether they're within our church family or outside our church family, is by building strong relationships. Because I can walk up and knock on the door and they're not going to tell me what's really going on in their world. But if I become a friend and, and a trusted, reliable, loving, gracious, caring friend, much better odds that they'll, that they'll share with me. Then I have to have the humility to say just because they're not where I'm at doesn't mean that they're lesser than I am that they don't, and they don't deserve help. That's a big, that's a tall order, isn't it? I'll never forget. There was a member of the church from Arkansas. He and I taught classes together at the Village Church of Christ in Oklahoma City. Okay. And uh, he, he said that at the church that he was at and grew up in in Arkansas was noted for one thing above all others. Somebody had a need in that community. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, if you want to be. A house that burned. Right. Or anything like that. It was just like, you know, emergency care running to them. And I got to thinking, you know, that's something we just don't do. That's fairly Christian, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so there's, there's a church in Arkansas that if they, if they were known for anything, it was if anybody in the community had a need, they were there. I remember one time in Texas, uh, a lady, uh, a, a member of, the ch- of our congregation came in and said, my, my friend's neighbor's house burned. I don't know these people from Adam, but the friend's neighbor's house burned. And, and to their credit, the congregation just launched and in, in to go help. Uh, Rick Ross's son, I can't remember his name, but Rick Ross's son wrote a book. And in the book, he, he, he had this line that has just stuck with me forever. If your church burned down tomorrow, would your community weep? I mean, that, that to me is a, is a, a grand goal. I shouldn't even say it like that. A, a valid goal for every congregation to strive to achieve, that we're so enmeshed in a part of our community and such a vital part of the community that the community can't imagine doing without us. And, and, and to think about this, so let me ask you this. Of the churches of Christ that are closing now, and, and there's, there's churches from all tribes that are closing every day. There's more that are closing than are opening. I think two to one is the ratio. Do you, do you suppose many of those congregations, that community weeps? Or do you think the church goes out with a whimper? I don't, I don't want to sit in judgment of somebody, but wouldn't it be great if, if Glenpool and, and Sepulpa and, and uh, Jinx and the surrounding community around here couldn't imagine life without Glenpool Church of Christ. Now, it, that would cut into some of our play money and some of our free time, but I can't imagine a that fits really well with what I think I understand about Matthew 25 and the judgment scene. What have you done for the least of these? Did you have a hand? Chelsea had her heart failure, and we were, she was 
Yes, uh huh. Ronald McDonald House. Why are they doing that? Yeah, yeah. And the really so so you have this commu- this communal Ronald McDonald House with at least two families and two kitchens, and the local Church of Christ committed that that one meal a day every day of the year would be provided to both in, both sides of the house. And how, did, how much do you suppose that, how much time that, how, what kind of a commitment does that require from the congregation? Time, energy? Yeah, it's, it's a job, a, a big job, yeah. And, and the beautiful part about that also is, look what they did. They didn't, and, and here, another, boy, you ought to hit my soapbox. They also didn't say, hey, why don't you come to my place? Come to my building where I'm comfortable, where I make the rules, where I know where the bathrooms are. Where, where, let's come to your place. We're going to come where your need is and bring it to you. Uh, boy, I'd love that. We've got an example in the area. Do so we have an example like that in the area? And that's Church of Christ. Okay. Craig Day, I don't know if everybody knows him. He's uh, on the news, newscaster on Channel 6. Okay. Maybe there's something we ought to learn from that, Larry. For those that aren't able to help themselves, we need to provide their care. But we need to do it without taking account- accountability away from those who can carry it. That's my, those are my last two little notes on here. Wow, I thought we'd get further than this, but... <laughs> Any questions on Care Portal, by the way? We've got some experts here on, on Care Portal. Any questions on Care Portal? I saw a lot of people sign up. Does anybody have any questions about it? Any, anything that. When are we going to be contacted? 
The beauty of Care Portal is that this is, and, and Connor did a great job of explaining this on Sunday, it's, it's the government saying, would you churches please get involved and develop a relationship with our clients? <laughs> I'm sorry? The, well, the, well, it's sad that well, what's neat is the government, it's kind of like Keith's devotional where he's saying, you know, the corporations have finally figured out servant leadership. It's, it's neat that the, the churches, the, the government, the government tried this earlier, tried, tried it years ago. Basically, it was we want your resources. The churches have a lot more financial resources than the government does. We want your resources, but we don't want you to have any contact with our people. That didn't go very well. But they also figured out if they can get those, their clients connected with church families, then the church family starts doing what the church family is called to do, and not only financial help, but emotional, spiritual help. Uh, and and that's, that's a good way to raise them up out of this, this, this endless cycle. So the beautiful part about Care Portal is you know, government's always talking about separation of church and state. We finally have a, an ang- a branch of the government saying, we, we want you to build a rapport with our clients, and we're going to help you because our clients are better off with that connection. Uh, and they, they do the, the vetting that, that, that people who are in charge of benevolence do. They do a ton of that vetting. In other words, the people that, that we're going to be responding to are clients or foster parents who are, the clients are checking the boxes. The parents are going to parenting classes. They're going to, to, to budgeting classes. They're, they're, they're making their meetings. They're, they're, they are, it, it's the ones who are trying. And so they're doing the vetting. They're vetting the need. They're vetting the, the motivation. They're, they're doing a bunch of our work for us. And then they're saying, here's the need that they have. And, and, not, and, and we need to be willing, I'll say this, we need to be willing to provide that need without crunching numbers we spent so much money how many how many new faces do we have in the building we need to because i was was talking about dinner tonight i don't many don't know of any letters in the bible where paul writes to to the church and says i've been looking at your numbers you know and and uh, i'm I'm checking on your numbers i have a lot of letters where you need to love people you need you need to be gracious you need to be kind the seven churches in revelation seven letters to the seven churches in revelation none of them jesus says i've been looking at your numbers and i need to get your numbers up but he, he does talk about being sincere being genuine being real so this is a ministry that that, that i would encourage us to enter into because for the, and, and the sole purpose is fulfilling the the call from god to, to care for people in need and let him give the increase let us be the connection and the love and the grace and the presence of God and the love of Christ in their lives. But let him give the increase. Our job is to be there, to be the connection. But there's a, it's a beautiful ministry, and it's a, it's a wonderful connection with, with people who are truly in need. And so, right, if we give... If, if, if I give with the expectation of a return, then that's, then, then, and I get to decide what that return has to be. All right. Good stuff. Thank you all very much. God bless you. We'll take a, we'll take a break. <laughs>